everyone. Welcome to Sustainably You podcast, your home for creating sustainable tea as an individual business and society. To thrive as an ecosystem, my name is Simi. We have Philip and Viva with us as usual. And today we'll be taking circular economy to the next level. We will be discussing how viable it is or how possible it is to create a circular economy and what it entails where we are currently and how much work has to go into creating circular economy. So let's recap a little bit what we discussed in the last episode. So we talked a little bit about the difference between circular economy and zero waste in that zero waste is something that can be done by anybody at any point of time and circular economy is something that will take a lot of effort from a lot of different entities for us to reach. It's a more long-term goal, right? That's what we spoke about. Well, I think both of these are a journey and a destination. So eventually we want to have zero waste as a destination, but it's a process. It's a journey of, of getting there. And the same thing for a circular economy. So it's a destination and a process of recycling, reusing, reducing. Coming up with innovations and processes and strategies to design out any sort of waste is the primary thought behind circular economy. It also means that as a company, we start from right at the beginning of the product itself, the life. So that's what we spoke about the last yes. time. <laughs> yes. And, and we ended with plasma gasification, which yes. is a technology that is going to help us get rid of all the waste that we cannot at this point. And that leads me to the topic of waste because that is an important part of circular economy that we need to make use of. We need to be able to decompose in a way that is natural and sustainable. So we will talk about how the developed countries over the last 10 years have been exporting all of their waste that they cannot recycle to developing nations like China, Malaysia, Indonesia, Vietnam, and so on. In 2017, China actually banned the, they said no, they would not be receiving any more plastic waste or recycling because the way it was coming in, it was, it was coming in like, like trash, right? It was not separated. It was not really recycling. It was just the waste that they were getting rid of out of sight, kind of out of mind. So after China said that they would not be accepting any of this waste, all of the other countries, the pressure on all of the other countries increased so much. Most of them ended up burning, incinerating, which actually releases more harmful gases in the air. And that is something that we need to really look at. And what these countries eventually realize is that they cannot do this. They cannot do the out of sight, out of mind thing. They cannot keep exporting their waste. And that's why we have now reached a point where governments are taking seriously the fact that they need to expand their recycling capabilities. They need to invest in innovations. In, in innovations that kind of help them do that, which is really great. But what I am of the opinion still is that we're still not at a stage where it has developed fully because mm -hmm. there are still entities that have not taken responsibility mm -hmm. of the waste that they're generating. Right. So it's not an ideal situation yet. So we still have a journey to go. Yes, we, we have wow. a long way to go. But I'm of the opinion that any waste that we create, whether that's consumers, companies, I'm sure are already being taxed on the amount of waste they create. We don't know how much yet. It might be different for every country. But consumers also need to be, there should be a cost to it that is visible and that you can track. Well, companies always pass on the costs to their customers. The customers end up paying indirectly or directly. Yep. For the packaging. <laughs> yeah, and, and something that has recently happened, and I can speak for Dubai, is that they've increased the cost of depositing waste in landfill 10 times. So from 10 AED to 100 AED per ton of non-recyclable waste deposited. Okay. Yeah, so which this is... This happened in 2022? Yeah. Wow. It is, it is something that has taken effect recently. They do have a goal. They do have a very ambitious goal, right? To be net zero by 2030. 30. Ahead of the plan. Yes. So maybe, Philip, you can talk about what this is going to do because we know that government 
does enforce things, but somehow when they enforce things too strictly, they kind of backfire. People find other ways to get rid of this waste. So just to clarify, that's the city of Dubai has increased the tipping fee from 10 AED or dirhams per ton of non-recyclable waste to 100 dirhams or AED per ton. So it's still within an affordable limit, right? Uh, 100 dirhams is uh, per ton is not that expensive for most companies, but it's still an added cost for a company. So yes, on the negative side, a company might look to save that cost. They might just dump it in somebody else's garbage dump. <laughs> I don't know in Dubai if that's possible. Oh, it is possible anywhere in the world. You know, you find an open uh, garbage bin and you just put it in there, right? As a company? <laughs> yes, uh, you could do it. But it also is an incentive for the company to actually change and improve themselves and reduce their waste production. Yes, so there is good and bad there. So, it, But at this point, 100 dirhams per ton is very affordable for most companies. When it comes to waste also as a company, I mean, it's not just a plastic waste or a paper waste. Major part of the waste is things that can be recycled. Those are electronic waste as a company. It's a lot. And now in many parts of the world, including UAE, we have many recycling companies, which helps you recycle batteries, your laptops, your phones. But when it comes to the waste, if we are striving to reach circular economy, we are looking at not throwing anything into the dump. It doesn't matter you you paying one dirham or 10 dirham. If it goes to landfill, it stays there. So then the question is, what do we do with the waste that's currently happening? I mean, it will take bit of time before we reach this place where we can 100% use all whatever is coming out of mm-hmm. any company from any sector. But in the meantime, yep. what can one do? So as we said in the beginning, it's this is a journey. So we start, let's say today. And so we have to process the waste that we are producing now and work towards a goal to reduce the waste and eventually reach zero or totally circular economy. So the dump is not the end. With plasma gasification, we can actually turn the dump into a storage, into a mine. So all of those, if they are segregated, if the waste is segregated, all the waste, such as let's say the batteries and then the plastics, the mixed waste, if they're segregated appropriately, we can then recycle them and reuse them from the dump. So let's say that the landfill reaches its maximum capacity and then they move on to the next landfill. So at that time, we can start processing that waste that's already been stored there. And then we can use multiple methods. One is plasma gasification for all the hydrocarbons. And then for the batteries, we can recycle them. We can extract their chemicals and reuse the chemicals and take the metals out, reuse them and so on. So the dump is now at this point in time with our existing and developing technologies is not the end of life for our waste. So my question is, it's well and good that there is solutions. Is there business in those, when you say the dump can be a place where where everything can be recycled, is there a business in that? Mm-hmm. I think so. There, there are opportunities here for multiple businesses. The dump itself can be a business. Right. So they have garbage collection staff, the trucks, and then the sorting. And then the landfill itself is an engineered landfill that is constructed so that uh, there's no leakage of chemicals into the ground, into the water and the soil and in the air and so on. So that has to be constructed and that those costs can be regained by making it profitable. So that tipping fee can be used for constructing and maintaining the dump and also all the the manpower and everything. And then when we start reusing and recycling the material, the waste, that also are opportunities for multiple companies. There could be companies that process the batteries, for example, lithium. So lithium could be extracted by a lithium extracting company, whereas the, let's say the sulfur and the lead could be done by the same or other companies. The plastic could be extracted and reused by a, another company. The metals, the gold could be extracted by another company. 
and so on. So there are opportunities. So where's the gold? Mm. I like to extract that. Yes, the gold is in our electronics. It's in the circuit board. And it's in the microchip. So, so, so you're saying the opportunity is where you segregate these waste, and then you either are you selling it to these different companies who then use it as a raw material to create something else, or are you doing it yourself? Because then it's a multi-channel. That's just that's a the capacity is huge before you even start making anything out of it. Yeah, money-wise, I'm yeah. saying monetary benefit. So we want an ecosystem. So this has to be a win-win for all yeah. the stakeholders. So I think an ecosystem has to be created and hopefully organically it'll grow around the dump so that companies that come in to recycle materials, they will partner with the dump company and, and so on. And it's it's good for certain companies to specialize in a particular kind of wastes and generalize in others and so on. So there is a lot of opportunities here. And I think also for uh, researchers and students, I think there's opportunity here to study collect data and analyze the data. So I I see all kinds of opportunities here. Shall we talk about, I mean, the landfill exists everywhere, and we know that that is an opportunity for us to make more raw material without extracting more. Mm -hmm. But what can companies do now to, to make sure that we are not creating more waste, we are actually changing the way we're doing business, the way we are producing, the way we're manufacturing, and uh, making it more sustainable. That's a multi-level endeavor as a company, especially as a big corporation, as a small small business or a company that's starting as new or a year old, it probably is much easier. But somebody who's already a supply chain, let's say Kafo or, or a huge corporation, uh, let's say a phone company, then it, it seeps into every department they're working in. Then that would mean that there needs to be a more structured approach to not just creating the end product, whatever they're building, a phone or software service or a product itself, a tangible product. But it also means that different departments have also has to be accountable on how they are sustainable and not just environmentally, but socially. And all this should also be viable on an economic side of things. So uh, as you mentioned, it, it is design thinking, right? And so we want to promote design and sustainable design in their in our activities uh, from for a corporation from the top and from the bottom at every level. So the the workers as well as the executives and the management they all need to be involved in in redesigning their work and their processes to the be approach. more sustainable. Yeah. So that's what we as a podcast and a show we would like to promote that kind of thinking that every person takes up their responsibility to be sustainable. Can we define ESG and other concepts like triple bottom line? So these are some frameworks that companies can adopt to try and become more sustainable, not just looking at the bottom line, which is the profits. So ESG stands for environmental, social and governance. These are a set of standards for a company's operations that socially conscious investors use to screen potential investments. Environmental criteria consider how a company performs as a steward of nature. Social criteria examine how it manages relationships with employees, suppliers, customers, and the communities where it operates. Governance deals with a company's leadership, executive pay, audits, internal controls, and shareholder rights. Can I ask you where you got that definition? Investopedia. Oh, that's a great sign. Now, I want to probe a bit more into the definition uh, when you say governance, so you're talking about internal governance. Internal governance. The of governance the of any company. Well, we're not talking about the government, the, the external government. I mean, if you t- talk about ESG to implement it as a society, yes, then the governance of that country or state. But here we are talking businesses. So if you're looking to achieve sustainability, you want to adopt certain framework. You do not probably have to go all the way. You can say we want to achieve these environmental things and so many things that we'll do on the social side and we will make structural change when it comes to governance or we will adopt certain new strategies. So a company at its creation and also during its operation has to register with an organization of the government, right? Say the economic department. They have to have certain documents approved by the government. So does ESG matter for that 
say, the registration of your company? For right now, but that's a great thought, Philip. For right now, it doesn't. It's just a metrics. There's other few other metrics as well people can follow. But that can be a great one. That can be a way to going forward for the government. When we were talking about how government can structure it out to make sure people follow, this can be it, right? When a company at, right at the beginning, when they have to go and get their trade license in place, they need to show certain pointers or certain yes. Well, things. at this point, when you're creating, you're not existing yet so you're gonna it's show your great goals place. yeah okay but in the second year of operation you, you have to renew let's say you renew your license you kind of have to show them what you've done right how you grade yourself so i think there probably need to be an audit now what happens when we have to pay tax government is not always as when we pay VAT or as a company is not always regulating it is regulated. It is supposed to self-regulate. Your company is supposed to keep track of it. But at any point, an audit can happen. And that's when you need to show that, okay, this is what we've been paying every month. And mm -hmm. there needs to be some paperwork. And that can very well be done when it comes to how sustainable or environmental or social sustainability a company is having. That they can create a certain parameter that they need to follow and they need to keep track of. Okay. So then they have to create certain reports at the end of the year when they are renewing their licenses. Oh, well, what a great thought. All right. Well, all right. Uh, devil's advocate here. Um, <laughs> my inner devil is coming out. Isn't this going to increase costs for the company? They have to now assign staff to do this, take time out of their regular work to do this audit. So is that not going to increase costs? to the customer. Now, it also depends when we talk about sustainability, when we are talking as in you, me, Vipha, we are talking about sustainability. We are also looking at a huge opportunity, which is part of it. Because if you look at the current way most or all companies work is very linear. Mm -hmm. So that means where it's going down into the dump, that's a huge opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. So at this point, mm -hmm. what is interesting is that the way companies are trying to, these frameworks that we talked about, which is ESG, that would be a way for a company to align both. One is the bottom line, which is the profits, with sustainability goals, which will actually help them increase mm. those profits. Okay. So, so right now, companies are aware that there is a change mm. in the consumer mindset. They need to keep up with that change. And there are certain goals that they can follow under the environmental and sustainability goals that will help them achieve that so bigger you're saying, financial gain. So you're saying that it does cost the company, but they'll recover the cost. They'll get more leaner, meaner, more efficient. Absolutely. Just to expand on what Vibha said. One of the factors about sustainability, so well, when we talk about circular economy, it is also economic sustainability. So when we talk about economic sustainability, you, you, we are talking as a company, it ne they need to be economically sustainable. So no, if we go out and pay for creating extra reports over years, but it's not coming out of anywhere, there, then there's a gap there with regards to economic sustainability. So that's one of the huge factors when you talk about sustainability. You are you're not only talking about environmental sustainability, but also creating financial viability out of environmental sustainability. So if you're phasing out plastic, let's say uh, you make pasta, <laughs> just a small example, and you probably are creating a vending machine, you're phasing out the plastic, that cost is gone. So now there is a vending machine. Now, are you going to put it, the vending machine, is it the retailers who's going to put it? So you're just carrying the pasta in big bags and giving it to the vendors and they have a vending machine. Now, that's where the innovation part comes from. So when you talk about, about business becoming sustainable, and we were talking about the cost attached to it, if we have to create a certain parameters that the government has to to approve of and then now they we are also talking about employing people going back to the very beginning when you're talking about sustainability you're not only sustainable as a governance or you're trying to make sure that we are socially sustainable but the biggest part is environmental sustainability and that part of the sustainability is where business is where innovation is where money is so that's what we need to work on. So we are not working on towards creating a new report that we can now submit mm. to the... What we're working on as businesses, when we implement certain frameworks, there should be more than just frameworks to tick box. Some tick boxes are not the, not the point. The point mm. is, where are we bringing in innovation? Mm -hmm. That 
So we're not just creating more paperwork, printing more paper. We are actually trying to streamline the process. We can hopefully these are digital. So it should not be my point is it should not be just strategies. It should not be a checklist. It needs to be a process that has to be created. Yeah, where it is there, where it is implemented, and it's not just living on paper for the sake of government. So your it's your. It's your old worldview, your mindset. And exactly. Because as soon as you talk about CSR, now you're only talking about how a lot of people work is, oh, let's go to Barari and put some... So Barari is a, if for people who do not live in the UAE, is, is a green space. It's a green haven in UAE where as a company can plant trees and you can check your tick box, your CSR. Now, I planted 10 hundred of 10,000 trees in, in this place. And a lot of com- companies do that. There's initiatives like give a tree or... Is it the Gaff tree? Yes, there are initiatives like that. It's a good thing. But I do believe when it needs to be, uh, when you implement it and it, when it, it, when you need it as a long-term thing, it needs to be economically viable and sustainable too for every businesses for every business sorry at the first go if you are creating a business you need it is a business at some point you can go out and certain things you can do but the government cannot regulate you as a business need to go out and put 10000 trees or you, the government cannot do that to just make sure that at the end of the year the report says so and then you're also paying for those reports it needs to be sustainable in not just environmental sustainable so you need to create business out of that mm-hmm. yeah as a business as a consumer it's on the other it's, right. Well, yeah. the company has to eventually make a profit in order to survive. And so yeah. all their activities eventually have to create profits. Isn't and, that the meaning of sustainability? The cost and the reduce, reduce the cost for the consumer and also reduce the impact on the environment, including all of this bureaucracy that we're creating. It, it has to be sustainable as well. Now, there's this other concept, triple bottom line. What is that? So basically, triple bottom line is another framework that companies can use, just like ESG, to create goals so that they can achieve, they can be a business that is a force for good for the three Ps, that is the people, the planet, and the profits, prosperity. And and if we were to define it, so in economics, the triple bottom line maintains that companies should commit to focusing as much on social and environmental concerns as they do on profits. All right, let me play devil's advocate again. Well, if you are making donuts, should you not be thinking about donuts? Or <laughs> should you be thinking about the environment and the governance and so on? So if you're making donuts, now the first question is, are you making donuts to eat it for yourself and your family? Or no, are you looking at it as a business? Yes. I okay. want to sell lots of donuts and make lots of profits. Yeah. Okay. So the first business is obviously that, okay, now I can make donuts and sell it. Now, the second thing that as soon as you're starting to think about that is how you're going to package it. So now that's... With my mouth. <laughs> uh, package it with your mouth. I do not... Well, the customer. <laughs> hand it directly to the customer. Hand it directly to the customer. Into their mouth. Ah. <laughs> this is an innovative donut company. <laughs> so there's different ways to look at it. Huh? Obviously, if it's a donut company, are you looking at having... It's a boutique, small shop mm-hmm. at the corner of the big street. And that's what you like as your business. Or are you looking to, okay, now I'm going to be a franchise. I want to dominate the whole market. So from there on, obviously, then you're not the only person who is governing the the donut shop. You also are hiring. So what kind of people are you hiring? People who won't steal my donuts. (laughs) Yeah, but also people who understand sustainable deal. Do you want want them to just make donuts for the sake of making donuts? Oh, no. I want want them to be connoisseurs of donuts. (laughs) My employees will make the best donuts. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we would we would like that. So I'm hungry now. <laughs> One of the things, obviously, w- w- that you, as soon as you think about donuts, is also with the ingredients that's going into it. Yeah, um, and the packaging. You're right. And the packaging. And the energy cost. The energy cost. Yes. The um, 
transportation of the ingredients to my shop and and then the waste. How it's reaching the customer? Are people approaching to your doorstep, to your shop, or Mm -hmm. are you delivering it through other companies? Are you delivering it to your own? So that's all the way that you can trace things. Now, Mm -hmm. from a marketing perspective, that's also where you need to think, how am I going to place my donuts in the market? When we, if you are saying we are a sustainable company or we use clean products, then you need to also reach back to that shop where you're getting your flour from or your eggs from or whatever else oil from. Are you using a canola oil? Are you using palm oil? Coconut oil or palm oil. So there's a lot of measurements that you would want to look at. So setting up a business now is no more, it's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. It's not a passion-led, it sounds so clinical, too many calculations. (laughs) I don't think so. I think it's becoming conscious. I would feel, for me, it just comes organic and I phase out the things that doesn't sit well with my consciousness. So obviously it has to be about you growing your consciousness or are you conscious enough? And then there are also people who are not. So for them, then there needs to be the checklist. (laughs) To tell them till it becomes a part of their DNA. Well, I don't know. All maybe, right. Philip, you would disagree with that no, analysis. I, I think of- everyone should be sustainable. Yeah. And we should follow the zero waste circular economy journey. Yeah. So, if you're creating a business, obviously, you want to be very responsible to the environment, to society, and to your customers? Yeah, so my point there was about, also it, it is part of your donut story, that the donut lord doesn't have to go and plant trees. The donut lord just needs to be mindful and conscious how he or she is running her business. Did you say She's donut lord? lord? Do you know donut lord? From, <laughs> no. Uh, oh my God, ask my son, Philip, who is donut oh. lord. He I is from Sonic. Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, a Sonic character. Of course, <laughs> everybody should know Donut Sonic. Donut Lord is so famous. And Philip loves Donut Lord. Nice. So, uh, well, what I mean... You learn something new every day. Yes. I know. How come you don't know? I, I would Sonic, say, okay, but... why Vibhad doesn't, but you should. You have three boys. <laughs> yeah, we know Sonic and we run like Sonic with the arms backwards and everything. And But <laughs> we didn't know Donut Lord. <laughs> So coming back to circular economy, obviously the circularity of it, you not like what we said about offsetting and you not creating trouble and now trying to fix it is, is a bit too late by, mm-hmm. by planting trees. You need to fix it, especially if you are a new company, you need to set it up in a conscious way. If it's not easy for you as a business, then that's exactly where there's a lot of consultation and that's a new stream of business now. There's a lot of sustainability consultants who have understanding, deep dive understanding of different frameworks and different ways to go through things. Okay. Yeah, sorry. So if you're, if you're just a, a mom or a pop or a mom or a pop or a mom and pop who are, who's trying to start a business, how does that person or the mom and pop find out about all of this? I mean, I it's not on the top not... of their list. They're just trying to survive and start a business, right? How do we help them to be sustainable from the get-go? So I think the information today is at the fingertip. It was not like in old days where if you need to know about something, you really have to go and hire somebody. I, I understand. I mean, I don't yeah. want to blame them, you know. No, like, no, no. Oh, you no, should no. have Googled it. But, but the thing with a mom mm-hmm. and pop is that they are at an advantage. Mm-hmm. They are much smaller. Making any changes is not like a gargantuan effort mm-hmm. for them. When it comes to much bigger companies, it becomes a bigger thing where they have to measure because True. of the volume of business that they are doing. But for a mom and pop, it is easier. Yeah, but how does that, you know, the mom and pop are passionate about their donut. So how do they find out? I mean, they don't know all the nuances of ESG or triple bottom line. How do we help them? So that's where we were initially talking about the regulations, that it would help if there Mm. are certain regulations that set in place to 
bring people up to date on what's happening or what should be happening to create a circular economy there needs to be certain people involved in it who understand the concept and they bring the knowledge to people especially as a new business any business when they go they become a business they need to go and register it they need a trade license a small or big so when they get a trade license that's a great place for government to come in to say to be sustainable there are these things that you need to so that's that's where we 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 started it right mm-hmm. about the checklist so and then we went on saying so what do we do for the next year not only that i mean we already see so many small businesses coming up focused on sustainability mm-hmm. ingredients that are they're using are much cleaner because there's so much consciousness up about what we're eating now as well and once you have these communities also already existing in any cities they can exchange information they can learn from each other that is something also that needs to happen as well because i do believe like if anybody come start business they cannot start business in isolation can they there needs to be a certain amount of research that should go into unless they are they are starting to just you yeah. know yeah what if they are broke and they don't have time to to do research <laughs> but they need to start selling the donuts that's it I that's already sustainable they not, they're not looking at packaging nothing they just probably would be having a stand and selling out donuts making it small uh-huh. time and then that's that yeah because there's I nothing think, wrong with right. yeah so well I, i think that's that's why we exist as a podcast and we want to help mom and pops who want to sell their donuts or whatever so we want to help give you information on how you can be sustainable Now when your expertise Philip is also energy when we talk about circular economy obviously especially in the urban cities that we live in there's a lot of waste in terms of energy where are we with regards to sustainable energy even if it's let's say whatever we're currently having a petroleum based energy system in most of the part of the world or at least in the part of the world that we live in where are we going where are we right now and what is it required to be sustainable well the ideal case would be nuclear fusion and then we would have plenty of energy that doesn't pollute or doesn't damage the environment hopefully but fusion is the future we don't know when it will be available to us so we are on this journey towards achieving let's say free and clean energy for everybody so presently we have a petroleum based energy source so we are dependent on that for various reasons but we can gradually bring in other sustainable energy sources and so i i think in the near term nuclear fission is a very good source and then solar is a good if done right it does have plus and minuses why do you say so if done right well again solar is not for everybody and not for every application it it has it's very effective for certain How about small houses and communities and stuff who probably want to have a self-sustained energy system? Is that possible? Is that a cheap way of being installed? Like if I have a house, my own house, does it make sense for me to invest in a solar panel so my home can sustain its energy on an everyday basis, at least part of it, and then the part of it is coming from Diva or whichever government or, or you know, whichever country you live in? That's a very good question but it's very complicated and i i would put the responsibility for doing the calculations on the home owner or the home renter because in some cases it might be more environmentally sustainable to just buy your electricity from the provider because the provider let's say in dubai the dubai electric and water authority they are sourcing the electricity from solar from thermal plants from nuclear it might actually be a clean source of energy on the whole so it might be better for that consumer to just buy it directly off the local utility company but in some situations it's better for the consumer to have their own power maybe it's for reliability sake if they have frequent power outs or if the grid is not reliable so for reliability sake it's better to have your own power source and solar is a good source for that so it, when it comes to sustainability this that was the question like, yeah so that's another thing so why it could not be sustainable for some consumers is the impact on the environment to bring in all that equipment the solar pv 
panels, the power electronic equipment, and the assembly, the, the transportation, the installation. When you consider all of that, and also the end of life of the solar equipment, when you consider all of that, it may not be sustainable for that particular consumer. So that responsibility has to rest with the consumer to make the decision, a wise and calculated decision. So you're saying that a solar energy panel, as an individual, if you get it, it might not be as sustainable as you think it is, but it can be as an energy provider of a state or, of, or a city. If they have it, then it's a different calculation and it could turn out to be sustainable. How about other kinds of energy? Energy derived out of earth or the windmills? Yeah. Now, country like UAE, where there's a lot of open spaces and law of wind is not, not a space to to go for as a government not as a not, not not as individuals obviously to bring these together and create the form of more sustainable energy but or you kind of bring all these different factors in solar so i i would not advise a utility company or a government to put all their eggs in one basket i, I would suggest uh, multiple types of baskets and multiple eggs so in the uae wind is not very viable in most of the locations. Unfortunately, there are wind corridors in the UAE and there wind is very efficient and effective. So they can exploit those wind corridors. There are other problems with that. The terrain might not be favorable or it might be too distant. And so you need a power grid to bring that energy back to the city and so on. So all of those considerations have to be considered. So do you mean that like if we have few wind turbines, it's not a sustainable way of, I mean, not just deriving the energy, deriving is one, but just for the equipment and to bring the energy back to people, it is yes, not so, cost effective. Yeah. So you have to look at the entire life cycle and uh, also we have to take all the factors into consideration when you consider a, a type of energy source. The newer wind turbines are very efficient. They're large. They are made more sustainably. So you have to factor in all of those costs, the impact on the environment in the manufacturing process, and then in the transportation process, and then in the installation, and then the maintenance during the lifetime, which is about 20 to 25 years for most typical wind turbines, and then the afterlife impact on the environment. So all of those have to be factored in. And then you can make a decision based on the numbers if it is ESG compliant or not. So that, that's a lot of calculation that somebody has to do. According to you, you think in a circular economy, a sustainable way of energy would be nuclear? One of the sustainable. Of, okay. Yeah. And another problem with wind is that it's not always there. So you need backups, right? And you need storage. But there is always sun here. As Only much sun. day, not during the night. Yes. So, so it's, again, it can be part of yes. the energy system. The energy mix. It cannot be the only source. Exactly. So you okay. need multiple baskets and different types of eggs. Coming back to the nuclear energy. Now, there's so much of fear around it, right? I mm -hmm. mean, you hear some of the biggest cases in the history, you know, in, in, in the near history, has been around, around nuclear. Yeah. So people are so kind of cities or governments people in general are scared of when you say nuclear you almost think oh my god now that country is has some power you know they, they're just scared of mm. in every which way so what do you think about that i mean well, right so the uae for example has made the decision several years ago to go for nuclear energy one of which is to reduce the impact on the environment from petroleum and natural gas and to also preserve it for the future and then they have to factor in their location the geopolitical location and the, the aspects the geopolitical aspects there are threats external and internal to the nuclear power plant so you need increased security you need to secure your supply chain as well for the nuclear fuel from the beginning to the end from how you source the fuel to what you do with it after it's used. So the UAE had to consider all of these aspects. And then they made the wise decision to go forward with nuclear energy. And also they signed on to non-proliferation treaty with the UN and also to use it for peaceful purposes. Like most countries did who have, who have developed uh, their own nuclear uh, energy systems. Now, most people are 
afraid of nuclear because of the accidents in the past, such yeah. as uh, Chernobyl, yeah, the, the radiation yeah, effects. Yeah, and in Three Mile Island in the U.S. And then they're worried about radiation leakage from the plant. And also the big one, which is what to do with the nuclear, spent nuclear fuel. So we do have solutions for all of this, fortunately. And also we have to consider the ingenuity of humans. We are continually developing new technologies and we are progressing and we also are very optimistic about the future that we are getting better in terms of technology. So the present nuclear reactors are generation three and generation four. So those are much safer in terms of if something goes wrong and also on how to prevent any nuclear leakage during its operation or if something goes wrong. So they are very, very safe. And Moreover, we have now technologies for dealing with the nuclear waste. One of them is the diamond nuclear battery. So this is a relatively new and small or compact nuclear energy source based on nuclear material. Now, I think I'll just hold that thought. We will continue with it. But before we continue, just for a layman who's listening to us, how does a nuclear reactor create energy? So the most common nuclear fuel is uranium. And uranium is packaged in the form of pellets, which are about uh, two and a half centimeters to an inch long and half an inch or one and a half centimeters in diameter. And they use hundreds of these. And then they are, the nuclear reaction is initiated by prodding them with with a neutron. And so they start producing heat through nuclear fission. That heat is captured through heat exchangers and then passed on to water, which turns into steam, and then the steam runs a steam turbine, which turns a generator, an electric generator, and then we get electricity. So after many months of use, the nuclear material is used up and then has to be replaced. So it it goes through that replacement process. You shut it down and then you replace the nuclear fuel. And that's why you need more than one reactor at a time so that when one is shut down, the others carry on producing energy. So that's the quick elevator speed. Coming back to the battery, sorry. So the battery, so what the diamond nuclear battery, these are relatively new and they're not commercialized yet, but there's great potential for them. So diamonds are girls' best friends, but diamonds can be friends of other people who need energy, especially remote energy disconnected from the grid over long periods, such as 10 years, but usually in smaller amounts. So these could be drones, this could be a a sensing station, or it could be a satellite in space. And how they work is by encasing a small amount of nuclear fissile material, such as uranium-235, within a diamond. And diamonds are very hard, and they do not react chemically with most chemicals. And also they can withstand very high temperatures and they can conduct temperatures very well, I mean heat very well. So the encased uh, nuclear material will continue to produce heat and that heat can then be converted into another form of energy in the form of say electricity. And they continue to do so for many years. Now, this is uh, one form of reusing waste nuclear fuel. There are many others and we need also new technologies to be developed. And then if you absolutely want to get rid of all nuclear waste, we can, instead of storing them in a hole in the ground or a hole in the side of the mountain, we can actually irradiate them with lasers, high-powered lasers, and that's called laser transmutation. So whereby we turn radioactive materials into neutralized material by blasting them with lasers. How about the scare people have about if there is natural calamity and something happens with the radiator, escape of radiation and the effect of that? So generation three, generation four and five reactors, they have inherent safety mechanisms that prevent leakage in the event of a natural disaster or a damage to the uh, structure, the nuclear plant. 
So they're much safer, unlike the Generation 2 reactor, which was Fukushima, as well as Three Mile Island and Chernobyl. Yeah, I think that's great news. You do not, one doesn't have to stick to one source of energy. It can be multiple, or and it can be different depending on what part of the world you are and what, what's available to you. We, we did not mention geothermal. Geothermal energy has a lot of potential. Very little of it has been tapped. Iceland is the world's leader in using geothermal energy. And in fact, almost all of their energy comes from geothermal. But there's potential all over the world, even in the UAE, for using geothermal. Geothermal energy can be used for supplying heat or for dumping heat. You can dump heat from your building in, into the ground for air conditioning purposes. So there's tremendous potential for developing geothermal. That sounds awesome, especially that we live in a country which can get super hot in the summer. And you can you can literally make the difference out when you're walking between the buildings or in an open space. And then we have these technologies to tap into and work towards the future. Okay, so that was about energy. And it, it's amazing news when we are talking about transitioning into circular economy that there are so many options that, that a country can look into, businesses can look into to make their own and whatever works. Speaking of businesses, SMRs, small modular reactors. These are small nuclear reactors that are about the size of a car, maybe a large car, maybe a limousine. <laughs> <laughs> So SMRs are hot items now. They are being developed all over the world. And, and so they are quite safe and they can run for 10 or 15 or even 20 years at a time. So you mean with like, very minimal maintenance. So you mean like places like a data center and stuff can exactly. have these sort of energy where they do need energy throughout 24-7 yes. and it, it needs to be constant. So instead of having it from whatever source, yeah. they can have... But what is the lifeline of these sort of energy source? Yeah, they can last from 10 to 20 years, depending on the design. Okay. And so they can be rolled in on a truck, assembled in place, and turned on. And they just need very minimal periodic maintenance and monitoring. And they just keep running till they run out. And then a new one can be rolled in to replace the older ones. And usually they are used in, in tandem with one other or you know two or three or more. So they you can maintain and, and, and so on. I mean, you can maintain one while the others are running so that there's what we call redundancy. We'll soon see SMRs being applied all over the place on ships, trains, maybe a mall, a hospital, a data center. So this is, um, again, decentralization of nuclear energy. That's a very remarkable and exciting technology. Now, when we're talking about technology and talking about energy, let's quickly touch on uh, transportation. So what, one of the biggest emissions when we talk about is transportation, be it aircrafts, cars, ships, what kind of innovation is this? So one of the things that we really, really been hearing and has been growing in the recent past has been electrical cars, especially one kind of electrical car, Tesla. Is that a viable future for transportation to tap into electrical cars so is it sustainable right now can it be sustainable in the future what happens so as far as i understand that the electrical cars has a battery life once the battery life ends it reaches the end of its life what happens to that battery okay to answer that question uh, there are very few companies uh, and there are a few which is a good sign yeah. but there are too few at the moment we need to see more of lithium battery recyclers. So we need to see more of these companies who will take old lithium batteries, extract the lithium and recycle and reprocess them into new batteries. And that can be done over hundreds of cycles. So but we need to see more of those companies. But lithium is a very difficult to get commodity. It's in very short supply. So there it is are, not a very renewable source. It's not. It's limited. And they are present in not very geopolitically favorable locations. And, and so we need to source lithium to make it more easily available. Fortunately, there are places that we can find lithium, like in the sea, in the water, in the seawater. There's small, uh, I mean, traces, but in large quantities of lithium. And we can extract them, again, with uh, minimal a negative impact on the environment, and, but it can be done. So coming back to the transportation, we obviously are running short of time. Coming back to the transportation, what's the future of electrical cars? Is it sustainable? Well, in the future, when we have 
fusion, nuclear fusion, everybody will have electric everything, electric scooters and cars and planes also, because electricity is the most efficient and the most versatile form of energy. Presently, it has a lot of drawbacks that need to be fixed. One of them, for example, with the availability of lithium mineral. But yeah, so the source of electricity at the moment is dependent on petroleum or nuclear or solar or wind or hydro and geothermal. These are the main sources of energy right now. While the the electric car itself is clean and the grid looks clean, maybe the source of electricity may not be clean, but it's it's a very good energy source for transportation. So if a company is, let's say, forget about a company, a consumer is today going out to buy a car and there's multiple options, there's hybrid, there's petroleum-based car, there's electrical car, and they want to go for the cleanest. So what do you think? They should go for electrical or they should rather stay with the petroleum and then think about if the money allows to go for a hybrid. Well, let's forget about where the lithium came from and how the car was brought to you. And But if you're making the decision now, you're visiting a showroom, it's mostly a financial decision. Can you afford it or not? Most people cannot afford the electric car. And if they have a, a gasoline car or a diesel car, maybe cheaper for that consumer. And also mm-hmm. including the fuel costs over its lifetime. Yeah, but also the infrastructure that Mm -hmm. is in place right now. So if you were to, let's say, maybe buy a car in Europe, maybe it would be much easier Mm -hmm. because you have charging points everywhere. It is something that the government is supporting very actively. People are supporting very actively, and so you have that. But if you look at the UAE, you don't have infrastructure. I mean, even some of the cars we do. In every mall, there is. No. So the thing is that when you actually own the car, unless you have, you know, like a villa where you have charging, your own charging point, you will not be able to get that regular charging. The other option is going to the malls. And what happens with the malls is that sometimes even the even the plugs that you get are different for different manufacturers. So mm-hmm. you won't even find a point that you can use for your car because your brand is different from mm. what the mall is providing. So there's actually a lot of gaps yeah. in terms of the support that mm. this industry needs to grow in this market. Yeah. So the UAE has some ways to go before yeah. it becomes mm. more widespread. I was thinking other way around. We'll probably continue this later. But yeah. that in, a, in apartments and stuff like where we lived before, there was... Mm-hmm. For every five parkings, there was one parking for electrical cars. So yeah, you, you might know better because you yeah <laughs> work with you because know. he gets the cars and he hates it whenever he gets electric cars because he yeah. cannot find ah um, spot. charging spot. Yeah, yeah. So for a country like the UAE, where gasoline or petrol is cheaply available, it might be cheaper for a consumer to go for a petrol gasoline car. But let's consider a country like India. A small electric vehicle may work well for a person in India because fuel costs are very high, but the power grid is not reliable. But if they can get a reliable source of electricity, it might actually work for them well. But again, there are lots of considerations to be made. We will definitely have a podcast on uh, on electrical cars and sustainability in the near future. So that was that. Oh, we are towards the end of transitioning into circular economy. So obviously, to me, I feel it's just good news all over and everywhere. There's, we can see the transition happening and it's catching up pace across the world. It's been supported by different industries. What do you think, Weba? Yeah, I think there is a lot of activity. We're still learning. We have a long way to go, a lot of figuring out to do. But the fact is that everyone realizes the importance of it. Everyone is starting to include it, uh, whether it, whether it's an organization, whether it's government. They, they have goals to achieve. They've set timelines, deadlines, which is a good thing. Yeah, so... Uh, zero waste and circular economy is a journey and i'm glad that more and more people are getting in on this journey and it is looking exciting and we're seeing a lot of positive changes so that's great so two thumbs up from me 
let's keep it positive and let's see it growing and see what 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 more is out there and what's going to happen next five years thank you so much listeners for tuning in please catch our podcast it's available on spotify iphone podcast or whatever your way of consuming content is we are there thank you so much from vibha and philip and myself have a great day thank you bye everybody